Hey friend, are you looking to start a fun business on the side, but don't know where or how to get started? Are you in direct sales, network marketing, or social retail and looking for tangible ways to scale your business? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Socially Selling Podcast with me, Becky Baxter. I was a teacher by trade turned entrepreneur. I am a mompreneur who has invested time, energy, and resources into growing a multi-million dollar business, all while playing the role of wife, mama, leader, friend, and CEO. I will share tangible tips, hacks, and raw moments that have led to my continued success. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of these real-life messy moments that have created incredible magic and changed the trajectory of my life. Let's get into the episode. I am so happy that you are here today tuning into the Socially Selling with Becky Baxter podcast. I just wanted to first start out with some gratitude towards every single person who has ever hit play um, and listened to any of the podcast episodes that I have put out. I absolutely love this part of what I do. Uh, I most definitely consider myself a creator and my passion is in educating and sharing and, you know, telling stories and, you know, training others so that my story and the success that I had can be passed on to others, right? Because I am of the mindset that what you put out, you know, and the way in which you bless others, it will eventually come back to you. And so I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in as, you know, you you are what you consume, right? And so I just, it means a lot to me that you are tuning in and listening to all the things that I have to say. So anyway, we're going to jump in. All right. Today we are talking all about virtual assistants and specifically what I did when I was in the industry and how I leveraged a virtual assistant to, you know, take back my time, to increase my income, to manage my stress levels, you know, just kind of the the help that that helped you know, that really facilitated in the growth in my business. And then I'm also going to just share, you know, some other thoughts around, you know, maybe not necessarily things that I did, but maybe some things that I'm doing now in regards to our VA, Monique and I have a virtual assistant and just, we're, I'm just going to, we're just going to have a conversation. There are some very specific things that I will share with you. But then I'm also going to share some ideas. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you guys, I'll put another plug for this next week. We are inviting our virtual assistant to come into our free community on Facebook. So if you're not in there yet, the Scrippin Baxter Community for Network Marketers, Amy Jobson, our VA, is going to come in and share with you a little bit about you know, how she is able to help those in this social selling space and some things that she can do. She and her team can help, you know, alleviate some of that stress and take things off your plate. So if you're not in our free community, I'll put the link in the show notes and make sure you are joining us for that next week. So I wanted to really address first before we dive into the nitty gritty content and the checklist in a sense of things that I had my virtual assistant doing, 
I wanted to address the investment and the money factor, right? The money mindset of having to spend money to make money, right? This whole concept is sometimes really hard for some people. People often worry about the investment, you know, or the monetary value of spending money on an assistant or a service or just anything that can help them in their business. When really, if you think about it, the most successful people aren't doing it all. They are just doing a few things really, really well and allowing others to do everything else. Now, I know we can't really compare ourselves to someone like Oprah, (laughs) okay? But we're just going to think for a second, right? We're going to put ourselves in the... um, you know, elevated, like high vibe, you know, if I am the best version of myself, right? Like what does that look like? And so we're just going to imagine, right? We're going to put on our Oprah mindset hat for a second. And I want you to know, so during her day, you guys, Oprah literally only works a few hours every day. That is it. Okay. And it's not, that obviously is not what got her to where she is today. But my point is the people that are operating in their best, like most efficient, effective zone of genius, that is the place they stay. They they don't worry themselves with all of the other tasks, you know, and, and things that anyone can do, or they may have someone that can do it better than them, right? You know, it's it's the same thing like for people who are professional athletes. You know, in theory, the majority of people who are really athletic, they can pick up just about any sport and do it, but they don't try to do every sport. Instead, they work, quote unquote, <laughs> in their zone of genius, right? So like professional athletes like Michael Jordan, how many of you guys remember this? If you're like an athlete like me, you'll remember this, but he like played baseball for a minute, you know, and he even played golf for a little bit. But at the end of the day, where was he the most talented? In basketball. That was his zone of genius. That was where the magic happened. You know, that was when his career was at its highest, right? And so you kind of have to recognize, you know, I eventually realized that there were three things that no one else could do you know, and could deliver the way that I could do it in my business, right? The way that I needed to show up and do really well in order to have the results that I desired. So first, I'm going to share those three things with you that I believe no one else could do, right? I was the one that needed to show up and do these things, or my business would either crumble, it would stay stagnant, or it would decline, Okay. And so the first thing is developing leaders. The second thing, creating quality content for my team and personal brand. And the third thing was training the organization. Okay. So let me just briefly unpack these. Developing leaders, if we're being honest, okay, the rate at which you develop others will determine the growth and the impact and the accelerated income that you achieve in your in your company. Okay? So, if you are wanting to grow your paycheck, you have got to master the art of recruiting business builders and developing them. And that's literally what we teach our clients inside Multiply 2.0. So, if you are struggling with this, that is we have an invitation recruiting formula that works. It's effective. Okay? So, developing leaders 
This is something that requires my personality. I need to have my hands in their business. I mean, really, I need to be, you know, checking in consistently. The accountability is more than just an automated message. It's it's the next level, like one, almost one-on-one or like one to a few. You know, they need to be hearing from me personally every day. The second one, creating quality content for my team and personal brand. What I mean by that is I knew that if I could create a like virtual party template or social media content for my team that I knew would convert, I was going to do it. I wasn't just going to throw people to the wolves. I was going to create something that I knew I could to a degree control that what others would act on. What I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of like differing opinions on this out there, but I created virtual party templates for my team very consistently. And the reason was because I had a high show average and I knew that if I could create something that other people would use, And enough other people used it, right? A lot of a little is a lot. And so if a lot of people were doing, even if they were only doing one or two virtual parties a month, over time that would compound. And that's what gave us these over million dollar months, right? In sales. And so, you know, and my team was producing like 8 million a year. And so I recognized that if I created this high quality for my team to duplicate, right? And consistently, you know, provide support for that, they were more likely to do it, right? Now, it wasn't, I wasn't of the mindset that everyone had to use it, but I wanted it to be a resource that people could take advantage of. And they did. Many people relied on that. And I was fine with it. Um, And then, of course, like personal brand, right? Like no one can really tell your story the way you can tell it. I do believe you can hire social media managers and coaches and all of these things, but to a degree, the person who needs to be creating the content, at least the foundation of it, needs to be you. Like, it's just, I mean, you know, you could tell somebody your story and they can document it and write it down, but it still might not sound like you because it's not in your voice. It doesn't have your emotion behind it. And so I just believe that when it comes to creating content, that especially for like your personal brand and social media and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can pull from like AI and copy and paste resources. Like even our clients, we give them 12 weeks of social media captions. That's literally one of the first things they get access to right away when they join our coaching program. And the reason is because, we, yes, we want to teach you how to do it, but we also want to give you a leg up. We want to give you some templates, right, that you can start with. And so, you know, the point is, just like with my team, I would provide a template, but then I would say, hey, here are some other things that you need to include. And then the final one was training the organization. Like I recognized that my gift personally was in the inspiration and motivation and training and mentorship in the aspect that, you know, even if I wasn't personally coaching people, they wanted to still hear from me, you know, because I was at the top of the company, you know, we had this huge organization and, you know, I... I was admired among my peers, among my team members, among the leaders. Um, And 
you know, I, I recognized that I needed to stay in front of the entire organization and not just a select few. I didn't want people to feel like I was this untouchable leader that they couldn't, that they would never hear from me. Oh, she's not my upline or, oh, she's our national. We don't hear from her. No, I wanted to be leading from the front, right? Leaders, leaders go first. You know, they set the tone, they set the example. I wanted to confidently show up and share my own story. Plus I invited you know, my friends and peers to be guest speakers. And it would just be silly for me to ask someone to train my team and not be the one (laughs) leading the training. So I just felt like those three things required my excellence. They required me to be the best version of myself. And so aside from that, everything else in my business pretty much could be automated, eliminated, or delegated. So because of this, I realized very early on, right, the power of asking for help. I mean, I started with like house cleaners, right? Like, I don't know how many of you listening to this have ever had a house cleaner come in. And yeah, are they going to clean your bathroom or mop your floors or clean the kitchen or do certain things exactly the way you want them to? Probably not. I'm sure at some point you've had someone clean your house or help you, like even if it's your mother-in-law. And you're like, okay, I wouldn't have done it this way, right? But at the end of the day, done is better than perfect, right? I mean, I know there are certain times in our business and life that we want things to be a certain way and perfect, and that's okay. But I knew I did not need to be, you know, in the, I did not need to be in the bathroom scrubbing the toilets, right? I could pay someone else to do that, right? Um, same thing with babysitters or, you know, I, I had some babysitters come and, you know, a nanny I had done like mother's day out programs. And then now we have what we kind of call her our like house mother, or she's kind of like a, um, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of like another word. I'm like how, not a house mother, but like a house manager. That's like the perfect word for her because she comes in. And she will help. Morgan will help with the kids. Certainly she will. And I mean, she's great with the girls. But the majority of the time, what I need her to do is she comes in and she like resets my house every Sunday. She comes in, cleans my entire kitchen. She does gets my laundry either done or mostly done folded, put away. She resets the house. She just gets everything in order. And then she'll come, you know, depending on the the week, right? Because I mean, it's summer break right now when I'm recording this. And so it's just been like once a week, maybe twice a week, but we both have kids home, right? So it's kind of crazy. But most of the time she'll come a couple times a week and it is so helpful. And while it's an investment, because I pay her what she's worth, like I pay her good. We pay her good (laughs) because I want her to know, like, I don't want her to go anywhere else. I want her to be like, well, I'm here. You know, I'm going to deliver the best version of myself when I'm here. And she does. She will. And without even asking, she'll like sort the the girl's clothes and be like, oh, I just went through Evelyn's closet or whatever. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, Um, or if I need her to run an errand, you know, I've had her go pick up like tubs before when she, one time she was like going through something for me and I was like, I really need some tubs or, you know, I could have her go to the bank. I mean, you know, she literally will do just about anything that I ask. And she, I mean, she's mopped for me. She just does all kinds of things. So that is a huge help. Because to me, I would rather spend that time on the weekends, you know, instead of cleaning up my whole house, 
you know, I'll work on a project like cleaning out my closet or work on the garage or play with my kids in the pool. You know, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just recognize that I don't want to use all of my energy, you know, with cleaning and then have nothing left for my family or my business or the things that I really want to focus on. Um, I've also had like an in-home assistant before. I didn't love that as much as I love the house mother because I feel like an in-home assistant, it was more like doing business stuff that my virtual assistant can do. So personally, I kind of like my own space. I don't like a lot of people coming over to my home. I'm kind of an introvert. (laughs) And so for that, personally, I like the house mother better. But I mean, you know, maybe when my business uh, gets bigger, you know, Monique and I will revisit that conversation. But for me, I feel like a house mother is all I need. And then we have a virtual assistant. And so that's kind of what the conversation is about today. So I'm going to tell you exactly what my virtual assistant was doing when I was at the top of my company and I was earning, you know, $250,000 a year. Now I hired a virtual assistant when I started making six figures and I realized I wished I had done it sooner. So some of you listening to this are probably thinking, well, that's just you. You are making, you know, six figures, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, the investment and like the time it saved me was huge. And I wished I had done it sooner. Okay. So listen to my words when I say like, learn from me, like it is worth the investment. Even if you only have someone help you a couple hours a week, like it is worth it. So before we get into that, you know, I'm going to share with you how we set up our SOPs for my business. When I was with Pampered Chef, I had a virtual assistant and what, what the term SOP is, it's a standard operating procedure. And so anytime a business has, you know, something that is going to be done over and over and over, or even if it's something that's going to be done like once or twice a year, most the most successful people have a standard operating procedure. And so I want to first share a couple of thoughts on what we did and then maybe some things that I, you know, nowadays, since it's like a couple years later, like what we have with our virtual assistant, Amy, and, you know, just in some general thoughts on it. So um, the first thing I would say is that this part is very tedious. Like it is the most tedious part in regards to, um, you know, the having an effective system in place for your virtual assistant. And the reason why I say that is because if you do not have a really solid SOP, there's going to be a lot of confusion. There's going to be mistakes made. Someone's going to drop the ball. There'll be miscommunication and frustrations will happen. But if you have something really good, solid plan in place, okay, then you your communication is even going to be limited because it's going to seem like this seamless, like steady flow of business. And your, your only thought process is going to be like, what else can I give them, right? Because it's like, it's just going to keep flowing. Things are going to go the way they're supposed to, like blah, blah, blah. And so what we did is when I was, you know, in the field, my virtual assistant, her name was Kayla, and she had, um, at the time, she was, you know, helping other executive leaders in the industry. And so I knew she kind of had, you know, I was like, all right, if I'm going to dive in and do this, you know, I need someone who knows this industry, right? Which 
that's how I feel about Amy. You guys, she's her, many of her clients are in this industry. So I'm just telling you, it is really helpful if you invest in a virtual assistant, if they already understand what you do, if they're supporting other people, it just makes a big difference. And so what we had, and I know that there's a plethora of ways that you can do this, but just for simplicity's sake, we had a Google Doc that was basically shared between myself and my virtual assistant. And what this allowed us to do was I had the top of it was like all of my login information. So like any like passwords, usernames, email, you know, just all of those things. Um, they had access to that. Okay. Cause she had a team. And then below it, it said important links. So like all of the links to like my, you know, guest tracker, my host coaching checklist, um, my team page, my organization page, my director page, um, the like any kind of graphics, the templates to that, um, you know, how to log in to my back office and pull numbers, like the link to that. I mean, it was literally like just anything important, right? Like important information was at the top of the document. Okay. And then below it, we had divided into, you know, monthly, weekly, and then daily tasks. And then it was like literally like the day of the week, each day had a specific task. Okay. And so when you're thinking about it in that way, that's kind of the first thing that you're going to want to do is to sit down and write out everything you do on a monthly, weekly, and daily basis. Because then you can kind of look at the list and determine if, honestly, someone else could be doing a lot of those things. And that's what I realized was there were so many like customer service and like recognition and like pulling reports and things like that, that didn't require me. And so when you're thinking about your business, that's kind of the first step. Okay. So the very first step in this process is saying, okay, what are the monthly, weekly and daily, and even like quarterly or yearly, you know, you could do this however you want, but just specifically monthly, weekly, daily. Okay. And so I'm going to share with you guys what were the uh, the items, or I'm going to share with you the items that were listed in my monthly, weekly, daily. And I'm sure I'm leaving some stuff off um, because I'm not going to read through this entire document, but I tried to pull out the big things. And then I've also got a couple of ideas um, to share with you. And then, of course, just that I'll give you that reminder at the end and how to get um, plugged into our training next week so that you don't miss it. Um, but okay. So monthly, the first thing I had was recognition stats and graphics. And I literally even had the verbiage of what I wanted them to say. And so I always created a ton of different recognition graphics, right? Like I had, I could probably do an entire podcast episode on recognition because I think there is so much power in recognizing what you want repeated, right? It's like, basically setting the standard for what not only is possible, but what you are saying, this is what I want people to do, right? You're setting that standard of like, yay, this is good. <laughs> um, and so I had recognition graphics. So for monthly, I had, you know, the she would always pull like my top 10 in sales, top 10 
um, you know, recruiters and, you know, give me the numbers and everything. I would have a graphic created and then she could make the post. Um, and so I had like, this is exactly what I want it to look like. This is what I want it to say, blah, blah, blah. I did the top 20 in the entire organization in sales because like I said, it, you know, got to where there were so many people I wanted more and more recognized. And then I also had, you know, at the end of the month, our team banner had like our numbers, like the in count for our team, the recruits, the sales, all of that stuff. So at the at the end of the month, right, I wanted our team to see what the month in numbers were. So I would leave that up for a couple of days into the beginning of the month. And so just kind of have an update on that. And then each month, I would also email out a recognition newsletter. And so it would just recognize, you know, trip earners and, you know, the points for that and like who was the top number one in sales and the director teams that were green and all this kind of stuff. And so um, based on the size of your team, well, you know, you might not be doing all of these things yet, but these are just some things to keep in mind. Okay, so the the weekly tasks or like two to three times a week, right? These are things that don't have to be done every day, but at least once or twice a week. So uh, one was updating. I had a graphic that I would post every time my, you know, team, the director teams in my organization were green. And so I wanted that post to specifically come from me and not my business page because obviously my team knew, right? And so I would have her send me that graphic and the names of the people that were green, like the, you know, so that I could post the next post to say like, shout out to, you know, these people for, you know, becoming a green team and getting paid at their title. And so that encouraged that behavior. Another thing that was done weekly was, uh, or, or actually a couple times a week, was anytime someone on my personal team was active and like they submitted 150 or more, I wanted to recognize them. So some days they might say, okay, these seven people are active. And I would make a post and I would tag all seven of those. And then another time she would send me like one person and I would add them to that post, right? Or, you know, whatever, vice versa. So there was like always, you know, like it varied, right? How many people were actually active um, in that setting. But I wanted it to come from me. And so I had her send me the post. Um Okay. The other thing was in my, in my virtual parties, I had her change the name of the party group a couple of times. I don't know all the rules, if I'm being completely honest, in regards to changing Facebook group names, but I wanted to make sure I said what my virtual assistant did. So I didn't want to have to rem remember that. That was something that I just didn't want to think about, you know, and it was a tedious task. And so, because I did like four to six parties every single week. And so trying to remember what days you know, need things need to be changed or whatever. It was just nice to have someone else do it. Uh, as well as they, she would create all of my virtual parties. And so, you know, she would create them on Facebook, which is where I was doing my virtual parties. I know they can be done in a variety of places, but I'm just sharing you what with you what I did. So she created all of my virtual parties. She added you know, my template to post my party, because that's, you can use post my party or sent share or Facebook scheduler. So all of my posts were scheduled by her. I did not do that. And I, you know, had her, um, 
basically just every little detail when it came to creating virtual parties. I had her even, um, you know, log into my corporate like website and get the link, get the information, get everything that she needed. Um, and then pretty much anything within the virtual parties that needed to be done, like administrative work, she did. Um, so like she would send the gifts to the winners from my virtual parties, um, you know, tag people. So like daily, I guess for an example, for daily actions, she would tag people in specific posts. So like if someone, um, you know, was, let's see, like placed an order, she would do the thank you graphic and tag them. If she was updating the party stats, you know, that would be like a pretty much daily or at least several times throughout the week. Then she would put a specific graphic that I had created and I wanted her to use and then tag everyone who had ordered, um, you know, that because it was like live. You can't schedule that kind of stuff, right? So every time a customer would order, she would add them to Project Broadcast. So this is a text automation service that is phenomenal. <laughs> I'll, I'll put my referral link if you are interested, but um, it is it is an incredible resource. And she would basically put their information in there. She would start a campaign based on the host, like information, their name and all that kind of stuff. And they would receive text messages from me, right? It was like my business number. And it would send them a campaign, meaning they would get like a couple of different messages, you know, a thank you message. And then it just kind of varied, you know, as the messages kept coming out. And so I didn't even have to think about that, right? Like the only thing that I did was I engaged with the people in the actual party on the platform. Like I was just having the social interaction part and like I would do live videos, right? And so that was just a huge part of what helped because she would do that every single day. So they were getting a thank you message from me pretty much right away. Um, she would even interact as my business page in my parties on posts that did I did not, you know, did not require like my personality. So, you know, there were some posts where I would, I would, play a game where people could ask about the business or whatever, right? So I wanted to answer those questions because I wanted it to come from me. But I don't know if it was like a fun post or a game or, or even just someone commented on like a grill pan or something, you know, like I, it was fine for, for her to engage as me as if she was, you know, me and then comment back. So that was helpful as well. Just with like keeping up with notifications, you know, and then I also had a customer tracker. So this helped as well with like generating leads for recruiting because, you know, it's like there's so many people that you engage with in the party that, you know, a lot of times people won't order, but maybe they're interested in the business and they could really benefit from the income. And so she would put all of the names in the party and then as people would order, she would check them off so I could see who in the party had not ordered yet very easily as well as like who I had already started conversations with, who had, um, you know, booked a party, you know, who, et cetera. If someone had specific items on their wish list, we took note of that, you know, so it was just a really helpful resource for tracking because, you know, what is track trackable, like whatever you track can be improved upon and can get better. And so if you know your numbers in regards to like how many customers, how many people ordered and all that kind of stuff, then you can improve on it. Right. 
And so those were just like the main bulk of things that were done, you know, by my virtual assistant to support me. But I'm going to share just a couple of other ideas with you before we wrap up. So the other things that I thought of that I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily do at that time, or maybe it was very minimal um, that I would most definitely do now. The first thing is like create Canva graphics for you. So like you may have a template for like a quote or something, and then you could have your virtual assistant create a bunch of different things or teach them, hey, this is the style. This is like my brand kit. Here are the colors I like. Here's this and that. Can you create blah, blah, blah. So I definitely think that is something if you find someone that's creative and you guys have similar styles, like, you know, definitely take advantage of that. The other thing is data entry. You know, we, one thing that we have Amy do for us is like a profit and loss sheet. And so that's really helpful when it comes to like tax season and just all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, even sending your assistant like your receipts and saying, hey, can you put all of this in to a profit and loss statement so that you know exactly how much profit you're actually making in your business, right? Or there could be a data entry where maybe you have, you're looking up every customer who has ever ordered a certain product from you or who has ordered you know, who is up for, you know, new ordering new products or new needs a refill of something, right? And maybe you have like 50 people. And so you're having her enter in, you know, those names on like a sheet or whatever, right? There's a lot of different reasons why you would need someone to enter data. Same thing with like a CRM tool. Um, if you're needing help with like managing your like connections and your customer service and all that kind of stuff, that could be really helpful as well. Uh, anytime someone joins your team, you could have them create a graphic with their picture, like have a welcome to the team, you know, post from your business page so that they don't even have to have your Facebook password. Um, you know, so there, that's just, you could even also have emails, you know, like emails, if you do like use like Flowdesk or, um, you know, just anything like that. You can send out a weekly like email to your leadership team, like a Monday message. And like, here's some things that you could have them do or act on or say, have like an action plan for the week, as well as like for your, for your personal team or organization or even your community. Right. So there's a lot of different reasons why you would need uh, emails and why I think it's important to have an email list because I believe that, yes, they might be getting emails from the company, but they usually joined because of you and not because of the company. And so just some kind of communication coming from you, that could be really powerful to have your virtual assistant uh, help you with that, as well as community management. So maybe it's in your team page, maybe it's in your uh, you know, VIP group, customer group, whatever it is, you could just have them check in there like either once a day, make sure there's no pending memberships or, um, you know, whatever, you know, that could be like your Facebook, you know, police or something where like just to keep like the culture good, nobody has anything weird posting going on and you don't have to worry about approving every single post, but maybe she or he looks at that for you and takes care of that. So anyway, I hope this was helpful. I feel like there are so many other reasons why you could benefit from a virtual assistant, but I'm actually going to invite you to join us on Wednesday. If you are listening to this in real time, Wednesday, July 12th, 
at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time in our free community, the Scripps and Baxter community for network marketers. We are going to be interviewing our actual virtual assistant, Amy. She um, has her own business and she has just been very helpful to us as well as other, you know, we have several of our clients have begun working with her. And so I just feel like when you are really able to automate and delegate things in your business, that's really when you can start to take off because you're, when you're in your zone of genius and you're focused on what you do well, more of that will be attracted and come in your life, I believe. And so uh, we're just, we asked her to come in and talk to you guys about how she can support you. If you are looking for a virtual assistant, you may be thinking, I don't know if I'm ready quite yet. Either way, come watch the training. And if you're watching this after next, you know, if you're watching this in, in September or where, wherever, feel free to just send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook. And, you know, I'll be happy to get you connected with Amy so that you can, you know, if you just kind of have that conversation to decide if you are ready to invest in a virtual assistant. So thanks again for tuning in and hopefully I'll see you next week. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening to my podcast today. One way to spread the word and share what you've learned today with others is just to simply take a screenshot post it on your social platforms, and don't forget to tag me. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a five-star review on whatever platform that you're listening to this episode on. As always, I appreciate your love, support, and encouragement. I'm cheering you on, friend.